Hello, romantics. Welcome to It Pod to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mather, and this episode, we're going to be talking about the films of Alfred Hitchcock, the British master of suspense, uh, one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. Some of you might know that I've written a column on all of his movies from the silent era into his last film in the 70s. And, um, you know, I'm going to posit that alongside being a master of suspense, he was actually a master of romance, which... Um, hopefully will be a theory that I can defend with some kind of authority or knowledge. <laughs> um, and I'm really excited to have uh, here with me Erica Richards, another Hitchcock fanatic. Hi, Erica. Hi, I'm so pumped to be here. Um, I am also a Hitchcock fanatic. I can't believe that you've seen all of his films like I strive to be that one day um but yeah I I'm super obsessed with Hitchcock he's the reason why I wanted to study film um I wrote my thesis for my master's on Hitchcock um but yeah I I'm interested I I really am excited to to work this angle of like the love thing because he is so known for being suspenseful um you know but the love thing's there. I guess I just never thought about it. So I'm excited to to chat about it. Yeah, I've always thought of, like, To Catch a Thief as, like, Hitchcock's romantic comedy. You know, like, mm-hmm. I... Because um, that's, mo- that's the one that is, like, the most, you know, rom-com. Like, it fits sort of that template. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like, I, when I was going through his films and um, I was just noticing, like, how often... Um, this a lot of the central like emotional through line would be these like relationships or like the romantic angle or some kind of like doomed love story you know and I mean even his like spy thrillers or his like wrong mad movies like there's always a leading lady and there's always a, yeah. some kind of element of like screwball comedy or romance or just um just some like relationship at the center um and he does the thing that i absolutely one of my favorite tropes with hitchcock is like how these people like fall in love desperately within like two three scenes yeah i think it's <laughs> just an old that's just an old movie thing yeah right? like, yeah that's such an old movie thing you're like oh okay there's no development here they're yeah. now just <laughs> desperately in love okay sure yeah. I'm, I'm bought in i'm bought in <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly and um uh, also, uh, marriages, I think, are a central theme for, for Hitchcock. Um, a lot of his movies feature couples that are married or thinking about marriage or struggling with their marriage or their marriage is the only thing that's working for them. Um, and, uh, you know, like you think about movies like Marnie or... Um, the Trouble with Harry or um, Notorious or um, The Birds. I think a lot of these movies, like the 
romance is sort of in the air, even if it's not like a typical, you know, happy-go-lucky love story. Um, and the film we're going to be talking the most about today is uh, Rear Window, his 1954 film with uh, James Stewart and Grace Kelly. And the reason why I wanted to focus on Rear Window is that I think this movie is, well, Rear Window is about many things. It's about voyeurism, it's about cinema, it's about murder, it's about a lot. But I do think that it's also about marriage in a really fascinating way. And um, and a lot of just thinking about this movie in terms of marriage anxiety and what it means to uh, be stuck with someone in, <laughs> uh, in, 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 a, in, a, in a tiny apartment and for life. So I am really excited. Uh, but before we get to that, I just want to speak with you about your own history with Alfred Hitchcock. And you studied him in school. Uh, off mic, you told me you wrote, you wrote your thesis on him. So just give me a brief kind of rundown of how you came to love Hitchcock and why he's become such an important figure in your life. Yeah, um, honestly, like I said, Hitchcock is the reason why I wanted to study film. Um, I think back to undergrad, um, which my my bachelor's is in like production, right? So like actual like filmmaking, but I minored in film. Um, and especially when I like had to pick a minor and then I realized like, wait, there's classes that you can watch films and talk about them and write about them. I was like, where do I sign up? So my very first film I ever watched in any of my film classes was Alfred Hitchcock's Rope. And I have been obsessed ever since. Um, And that was my first Hitchcock film. Like I had never, this was gosh, like uh, 10 years ago now I was, I think, yeah, I was like, it was either sophomore or junior year of college. So I was like, yeah, like 20 years old. And it's funny because the way our film classes were set up, it was like you'd have discussion and then you'd watch the film. And then the next class you would discuss the film that you watched. So I remember like watching rope and being on the edge of my seat literally. (laughs) And then like, and then like leaving for class. Cause it was like the credits would roll. And then the professor would just be like, okay, see you guys on Thursday or whatever. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, we have to wait until Thursday to talk about this. Like I was so just like the, the whole thing of like the one shot, you know, the one take um, yeah. thing with rope and, and stop me. Cause I'll talk about rope for this entire podcast. But, um, but I was just like, Oh, this is what I want to do. Like, you know, like I said, um, after that being my first ever film that I ever watched in any film class, I was like, Oh, like I'm all in on this. Right. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of when my Hitchcock obsession started and any way I could work in a Hitchcock film or, or, um, write about it in any of my film classes, I would. And then, um, getting my master's in film studies just this past year, I, yeah, I wrote my thesis on Hitchcock and I wrote it about how he as a filmmaker uses control, right? Mm. Um, to develop his themes and uses suspense and control, right? And and Rear Window is a perfect film that is perfectly Hitchcockian because he controls us with the camera and the editing and what we're looking at. And, you know, like you said, con- confining us to this small, tiny apartment because that's the only place our character can go. And the camera never leaves the apartment. We see outside of the apartment, right? But the camera never leaves the apartment until our character, you know, our protagonist does at the, at the very end when he falls, right? Yeah. So, um, but what's really interesting about this too is that I think Rear Window, and we'll get into this, right? Um, but I think Rear Window is interesting because it's more Grace Kelly's character, right? That's yeah. really 
trying to get him right so i know we'll get into that but anyways so i yeah so obsessed with hitchcock i like i said i focused on like five of his popular films writing about control um that he has as a director um so i wrote about rope rear window psycho um vertigo and the birds and actually you know what i end up cutting my whole section of the birds out at the end so i really only wrote about four of his films but anyways <laughs> um yeah so it's funny because like you said i think i didn't realize like the element of love in in all of his films or it not all of them but most of them right um because you're so so focused on how good he is at suspense um since then i have decided i want to be a better hitchcock fan because i've seen i think my number is at like 12 or 13 of his films right now. So right now I'm doing this um, series with in session film writing there um, about Hitchcock films I've never seen. So I'll watch one that I've never seen and then, and then write about it. So um, I'm trying to do 12 this year. So one a month. So I'm slowly doing that, but I would love to, you're, you're my inspiration to watch (laughs) all of his films, um, which one day I will one day. That's my goal. So Yeah. yeah. So that's my, my little background on, on Hitchcock. He's the reason why I wanted to get into film. So, yeah. Um, well, this is a little bit of a broad question that I don't know if you have an answer for, but like, what is it about Hitchcock that really, you know, grabs you? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I just, I love when you can watch something and know the style, right? Like we all know Hitchcock's style when we see it. Um, I also love that he took risks, right? Like I said, with rope, um, he was the first one to do like the one take thing. Um, right. And you know, we wouldn't have films like 1917 today if it wasn't for him. So I think the thing that really draws me into Hitchcock is being a cinephile and watching so many films and then picking up on as I go back and, and try to become a better um, film watcher, right? Through the eyes of Hitchcock, realizing like, oh, Hitchcock is the reason that this fi- filmmaker does this thing, right? So like, that's really what draws me into him is like finding the parallels and like the influences he still has on film today, right? Like he influenced film so much even what and what like this is things i find interesting right is like he basically created what we know as showtimes now right like when we used to go to the theaters because that wasn't a thing before psycho and when psycho came out he's the one that was like okay here's your timestamp. you have to be in the theater and you know it's funny because we don't think about that right like now we buy a ticket to a showtime and okay i'm gonna go watch this film at this time um you know i know there's x amount of minutes of previews or whatever but i need to be there at this time to see and like to think that like his one of his films and his like demanding of like you have to be in the theater at this time it is the the, it's shaped the way we watch films now and i just think things like that the influence he has on such a wide thing right such a range of different aspects of film is is what draws me to him the most yeah definitely i mean you know earlier you said that um rear window is is like it shows it's like the best sort of version of him as a like controlling the audience and and uh, i definitely agree with that i think 
one thing that I love about Hitchcock is um, how much he is like directing the audience. I think that's yeah. a phrase I remember from my own Hitchcock um, classes that I took and in in college. And um, how much of it is like you know he shows us exactly what he wants us to see and yeah. take from it exactly what he wants us to take from it. And uh, I think that's I think Rear Window is sort of the perfect example of that. Like I always think of Rear Window as the movie that kind of taught me what directing is, because yeah. direct, directing is can be a little bit of an abstract concept. Um, because you know some some directors are really great at being invisible directors, and some are great mm-hmm. at being really like pronounced. Uh, but I think with Rear Window and Hitchcock in general, like. He's really good at, you know, like teaching his audience about film as he's as they're watching it. And yeah, I think with Rear Window, um, it's so beautifully done because there's just so like because everything takes place in this one room that you really are relying on the camera as much as possible to get any kind of glimpse or any kind of um you know, story or character development from the outside world. Everything kind of has to come from like literally the, you know, the lens of the camera. Exactly. exactly. Um, and, yeah. you know, I think like a lot, I think many people have studied rear window in terms of voyeurism. And of course that's one of the major themes of it. Um, and, um, and I think it's, it's, it's such a beautiful movie about looking and, and watching. And I've read articles about, you know, how it's sort of like uh, James Stewart's character Jeff is um, like he's like the audience, and all of his neighbors are like TV screens or movie screens, and and you know that's such a that's such a like beautiful way to do this kind of movie. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you. I think like he is so like I think Hitchcockian suspense like really holds up and has become so influential that. Any any movie that you watch now that's any kind of like thriller or suspense or horror or whatever, you can see Hitchcock's influence, whether it's something yeah. as like obvious as like Brian De Palma or something like, you know, like I don't know, a movie like Murder by Numbers or or like Seven or or, or mm-hmm. any of those. It's like um there's so yeah, Hitchcock's influence is all over and that's why, you know, people our age are still discovering him and talking about him and he's still so so vital. Yeah, and I think he I think, you know, he'll be talked about for the rest of time, right? Yeah, um yeah. even like, you know, I think about films like Vertigo and his obsession with duality, um, or even Psycho, right? I wrote about that a lot in my thesis. Um, and you see even th- things like, you know, like uh Jordan Peele's Us, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's all about dualities. Yeah. And, you know, just so even interesting things like that just how much he's influenced themes, camera work, editing, like he's influenced so such a wide range, you know, like there's some filmmakers that you're like, Oh, he was the, or she or whoever was the one that it really, this one thing, right. Where that's why I think I'm so obsessed with Hitchcock because he has touched so much of cinema. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I also, like you said, I think Rear Window is a perfect film because it's about filmmaking and right. film watching, right? Yeah, it's about yeah. both, um, which makes it so well known, too. I think so many people have seen this film. Um, and like you said, y- you know, James Stewart's character acting as the audience, like, we desire what he desires. Um, mm-hmm. We see what he sees, you know? And that's again, like Hitchcock controlling us. Like, like you said, like he, he is 
every director controls what you see through the lens of the camera, right? But being aware of that in the film when you're watching it is a different experience than just like any other film you're watching where you're like, you know, most audiences aren't thinking like the director is choosing what I'm seeing here with this. It's very deliberate. And I think that's what makes a good filmmaker too, is like, he's actively making decisions at all times about the dialogue, what you're hearing, what you're seeing, you know, everything, everything. He just, he's so good. I'm obsessed. He's so good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And, you know, I, I think like, it's so like, I think the reason why um, he's so much fun to read about and to write about is you can look at all of his movies through so many different angles. Um, yeah. And, you know, you could look at them from a like political lens of, and from a Hollywood lens, like Hollywood, um, like what it was like at the time, like Hollywood production. You could look at it from like a feminist lens, from... Uh, from any kind of lens, and I think all of his movies are so, like, especially his, like, you know, the sort of, like, core, like, I don't know, 20 or whatever that are, like, extremely popular. Um, I think, like, you know, I think those are all, you can look at them and project onto them, you know, what what you want to take from it. And, you know, as someone like me who loves romance, and I love old Hollywood romance, you know, um, like, uh, I can't help but, like, not see the I can't help but see the um like how romance is is like built into his movies and I think a lot of that is you know his wife uh, on the revel was a not only a trusted confidant but also very influential behind the scenes yep. um she has credits I think on most of his films I think up until 1950 and then um and I think she like semi retired at least like like officially but she's still there like I mean, of course her influence over psycho is is well documented and things like that um yeah. but i also think that you know um i feel like he invokes romance for a number of reasons partially i think it sells well you know hitchcock is nothing if not a showman and yeah yep. you know he's i think you know he's one of those filmmakers who always knows what his audience wants or at least yep. is always trying to figure that out but yep. also because I think having a central love story in some ways um, can add or give context to the suspense uh, or he'll play with genre like um, I love to think of um, The Birds as a movie that's like two it's like two movies in one and Mm -hmm. the characters don't realize that they've kind of transitioned towards a new genre like it's a romantic comedy for the first I don't know hour I guess and then it becomes a you know a disaster movie or a horror movie a monster (laughs) movie and I don't the characters don't even realize that until it's too late um, and uh, see, I think same with like Psycho, where yeah. it's um, it's it's uh, Psycho is, is essentially for the first half a love story. It's about a woman who, you know, puts everything on the line for her, you know, her boyfriend, so that they can be together. And she makes this horrible decision to steal the money, and you know, mm-hmm. she kind of goes through this whole arc of deciding to return it. And then again, the movie like switches genres, and she doesn't know it, and no one knows it. Right. Right. So well, and that's again yeah. a, a shows how masterful of a, of just a filmmaker Hitchcock yeah. is, right? Um, you know, the MacGuffin, right? Like right. Psycho, or even like Rear Window. Like you know, we think that the film's really about this murder, right? Or we really yeah. thought Psycho was about her taking the money, and yeah. then 
I always, this is something I learned from one of my professors um, in my master's program was what he called the one hour pivot, right? And he always said like, good films have a one hour pivot. And whether that's like one hour into the film, you know, if it's a two hour, if it's a two hour film, it's right dead center in the middle, right? Like think about Parasite. Um, I've even, I'm obsessed with Parasite. I bought the (laughs) book that is like the... um, the screenplay and and again uh bong joon ho has said that um hitchcock is really influential on right. on him as well and the when the maid rings that doorbell at the house in parasite that is literally exactly one hour into the film wow. exactly 100 pages i think the whole the whole screenplay is 200 pages exactly 100 pages in the middle right and that's the same with like like you said with psycho um you know that one hour pivot where it just completely shifts yeah tone genre everything and like that's again like what kind of other director can pull that off other than Hitchcock, right? right. Like you're saying yeah. like with the birds, like you're saying it's so different in the beginning or even like with Rear Window, like we think it's really about solving this murder and it's really not about that at all, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is, but that's why it's the MacGuffin because you think that's the most important thing and it pushes the narrative along. But in reality, that's not what it's about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, um, you know, I love I love a movie where the movie is its own MacGuffin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think, you know, Rear Window is like that. I think in some ways Vertigo is like that. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, it's like where, you know, you exactly what you're saying. Like, you think this movie is focusing on one thing, but actually all these other things are bubbling up to the surface and are right. um, shaping what we think about you know, with the, with the main, you know, plot. Um, and, um, yeah, I think like, you know, like we can transition towards a more, uh, specific discussion about rear window, unless you have anything you wanted to touch upon first. From what no, we no, I about. think, yeah. I think we've covered how amazing of a filmmaker. <laughs> is. Like I, I think said, it's I been about 20 about minutes it. of us. <laughs> yeah. I think I could talk about that forever, but we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So rear window, uh, one of my all time favorite movies, no surprise mm-hmm. there. I'm sure it's just mm-hmm. one of yours as well, yeah. but, um, what I really love about this movie is how much, like, I think, like the main like the main reason why I wanted to focus on this movie is just like how much it's about marriage and um it's uh you know I'm not married myself nowhere near close to it but it, um hey. it really <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely hits upon a lot of my own personal um anxieties about you know marriage and um and uh I think a lot of the hesitations that, you know, I have, and I think a lot of, I mean, speaking generally, a lot of men might have about marriage. And, um, and, um, I mean, I don't want to speak for any women, especially today, it's International Women's Day when we're (laughs) recording this, so I won't speak for a woman, but um, (laughs) um, I, it's... Definitely thinking well, this, about th- yeah. this film is is the male gaze, right? Like yeah. that is literally what Hitchcock is telling us that we're only seeing what he sees. That yeah. is literally the male gaze. So right. I don't think you know you're you're making any incorrect assumptions about the, the themes it's conveying here, the message it's conveying. Yeah. Um, and it is you know, and and I think you're you're playing it safe, which I appreciate. Um, it's, as to not offend, but like you said, I think this is showing you know. Um, 
these are, like you said, kind of mostly fears that that men have. And not to say that women don't have these fears as well, but Hitchcock is really showing you through the male gaze. Um, and, and of course, Grace Kelly's character really is playing on that, you know, trying to make a man out of um, James Stewart's character. Like, I mean, yeah. there's literally that scene, right, where she gets into the apartment and ends up putting that ring on and pointing at it. Now, yeah. <laughs> that's part of the of the plot line, right? Like, of, yeah, okay, you've confirmed. But it's also her saying, like, when are you going to freaking propose to me? Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, not to cut you off, but I think you're, you're, you're definitely accurate. And if we're going to look at this film, this is the male gaze. And this, that's what Hitchcock's trying to say is like, these are things that most men have about commitment. Right. But yeah, exactly. And, um, what I think the, the genius part of this film is that each of the neighbors that are in the film, like Mm -hmm. they reflect Jeff and Lisa, who is Grace Kelly's character in some way. Whether, you know, I think, like, um, you know, I think, like, uh, Lars Thorwald and his wife is sort of, like, Jeff's fears about what marriage yeah. is going to look like, you know, personified, exaggerated. Yep. Um, and then you have the, um, like, the lonely composer and yep. Miss Lonely Hearts who are, like, Jeff and Lisa separated. And, you know, that's, so that's, that's could be their future if they aren't together anymore. You have that sort of nice older couple that seems a little pleasant you know, and then the the newlyweds who are having sex all the time. Yeah, and yeah. so I no, think all exactly, of these you're hitting the nail on the head for sure. And I think like you know Jeff, you know I I think uh, what makes this I think what makes this male gaze a little more palatable than it would be from any other filmmaker or any you know um, is that you know he, we're we're seeing all these sort of like possibilities, all these like mirrored reflections of our, of our main couple and. Um, really playing out all of the um all, all this like the neurotic anxiety that Jeff might have and i think even you know i mean i think even lisa is seeing herself in some of those characters uh, especially like miss lonely heart she sees herself there and um she can she relates to uh miss torso the like the ballet dancer and, and across mm-hmm. the thing and um one of my favorite um one of my favorite moments is when he you know, he sees Miss Torso as, as Lisa, and she's like, no, that's not me at all. Like, mm-hmm. I, um, I'm Miss Lonely Hearts, actually. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, like, you just think about, like, you see all these different realities that, or you see all these ways that Jeff is scared of marriage and and um, just scared of, I mean, you say make a man out of him, and I think that's right. right. I think he's scared of growing up and becoming, right. like, um, or kind of losing that sort of, like, devil may care freedom that he had as a a, you know travel photographer right and i think even you know i I definitely 100 percent agree with you that these are all little you know gazes into what could be their future what could or what they are or what they're not or whatever right but i also think it's about perception too Mm -hmm. right so so you know we're looking at miss torso and we're thinking you know he's judging her and thinking that she's you know sleeping around or whatever and you know good for her she is but then you realize at the end right like she's waiting for her man to come home and we we've all made this misconception about her and her life right just like the way we even now like 
you know, think about, (laughs) think about like Instagram, right? Like we Mm -hmm. watch everyone show their highlights on Instagram and these little glimpses into their life, right? Just like, you know, glimpsing into, to their, these people's back doors and back windows. But then, so you see people living their best lives because that's what they put out there, right? Mm-hmm. And then couples break up or whatever, and it's like, oh, they seem so happy. And it's like, well, yeah, because that's what they showed you, right? So I think it's just, again, it's interesting on how we perceive things um, versus what is reality, right? And perception is everyone's own reality. So, yeah. you know, Jeff looking in on these people – you know, even thinking like that one couple, like, oh, they seem really happy, but really that woman who had the dog, right? Yeah. Like she loved that dog more than anything. So it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really interesting to think about it that way. Um, just, you know, what we perceive versus what is real. Um, and, and, you know, you said a perfect example, right? Like Lisa, thinks she's Miss Lonely Hearts and he thinks she's Miss Torso, right? So yeah. it's like even someone you know really well, right? Which is just interesting in itself. So I think in, you know, um, when it comes to Jeff and Lisa and, and his perception of her, um, I find that to be very fascinating um, because I think a lot has been talked about, you know, with Grace Kelly being so young and James Stewart, I'm, sh- I'm sure is at least 20, 25 years older. Oh, wow. Than she is. I, I, something, I mean, they have an age gap. I mean, I don't, you mm. know, and um, of course, a lot of that is just kind of the old Hollywood, they, you know, yeah. no, you, no young actors, no old actresses thing and right. you know, whatever. That's upsetting, whatever. But yeah, I think there's also um, the contrast between the two of them is intentional. I think, you know, I've read so many negative reviews of this movie that are like, I can't believe James Stewart wouldn't want to marry Grace Kelly. And I'm like, yeah, that's the whole point of the film, right? Right, like, right, right. That's right. his whole arc is like how he, I mean, she has to be this totally perfect, gorgeous, talented, um, you know, charming, adventurous woman. And right. because if she were anything else, then the the whole his whole arc would kind of crumble on like a on a meta right. level it wouldn't make sense if she right. was anything but this perfect woman right those and, people aren't uh, understanding what's happening in the film right yeah, <laughs> like right. They're, they're not getting it right <laughs> and um <laughs> but uh i think like and so like when it comes to uh grace kelly sort of like like you know, jumping into the screen and getting into the action and you know doing all her detective work I've read like two schools of thought about this, and I'm curious what what you think about it. Um, one theory that I've read, or like one interpretation, is that she uh, is changing herself to be like the guy, the kind of girl that he would want to marry. Which I don't, I don't like that theory personally. Yeah. Um, and the other one is that she always had it in her, and that this is always who she is. And he's seeing her for the first time because they're, you know, they're in a position to to see that and. Yeah. He's seeing her not as this sort of like society doll, but as a, like a living, breathing, active person who can, you know, who's brave and can do all this stuff. And I don't want, yeah. I'm just curious about what, what you thought of that. Yeah, it's, it, you know, you make a good point. And like you said, I've read a couple of different articles here and there too, like especially in doing my research. Yeah. And, you know, it's tough. I agree. Like, I don't want to think that she's like, changing to become who she is but I think she's more so like you said kind of trying to prove like yeah I am this person right I am who you want and who you can see your life with and and I think she's 
you know, she's doing this, you know, climbing up and getting into the apartment, not being afraid and this and that to show like, I'm going to put myself out there for you. Right. Although she's art. I mean, like, how has she not proven that before? Right. Like, what else does she have to do other than, okay, like breaking and entering and, <laughs> yeah. you know, putting herself at risk now. Um, and I think you really do see too, in that moment, um, how much Jeff does really care about her. Like he's really concerned about her and he's yeah. completely confined to his, he can't do anything. He has to sit there and watch her like, put herself at risk, right? Or potentially, like, be found out or, you know, whatever. And he literally can't do anything about it, Um, which is also, like, we could dissect that, too. Like, what is Hitchcock trying to say there? Like, if he doesn't man up and, and, you know, um, you propose to her or lock her down or however you want to say it, like, is he going to lose her? Right. Yeah, yeah. And also thinking about this sort of like um, the in- incapacitated man, you know, like I think part of the reason why he hasn't seen the side of her is because he hasn't been, you know, locked in a cast before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's so powerless or, yep. you know, de- emas- emasculated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then like she has to like step into the quote unquote masculine role. Right. Um, and, uh, I think that, I mean, again, that's one of those things where, you know, any two, you know, critics could read that, you know, as yeah. misogynist or feminist, I don't know. Yeah. There can't be that much difference between people and the way they live. We all eat, talk, drink, laugh, wear clothes. Well, now look, now look. I, I... If you're saying all this because you don't want to tell me the truth, because you're hiding something from me, then maybe I can understand. I'm not hiding anything. It's just that I It doesn't I want... make sense. What's so different about it here from over there or any place you go that one person couldn't live in both places just as easily? Some people can, if you just let me explain What is it for traveling from one place to another taking pictures? This is like being a tourist on an endless vacation. Okay, now that's your opinion. You're entitled to it. Now let me give you my It's ridiculous to say that it can only be done by a special private little group of anointed people. I made a simple statement, a a, a true statement, but I can back it up if you just shut up for a minute. If your opinion is as rude as your manner, I don't think I care to hear it. Oh, come on, now simmer down. Yeah. You, I can't fit in he, here, you can't fit in there. I mean, according to you, people should be born, live, and die on the same spot. Shut up! Did you ever eat fish heads and rice? Of course not. Well, if you, you might have to if you went with me. Did you ever try to keep warm on a C-54 at 15,000 feet, 20 degrees below zero? Oh, I do it all the time. Whenever I have a few minutes after uh, lunch. Did you ever get shot at? Did you ever get run over? Did you ever get sandbagged at night because somebody got unfavorable publicity from your camera? Did you ever have those high heels? They'll be great in the jungle. And the nylons and those six-ounce laundry. Three. All right, it's three. Well, they'll make a big hit in Finland just before you freeze to death. Well, if there's one thing I know, it's how to wear the proper clothes. Yeah, yeah. Well, try and find a raincoat in Brazil, even when it isn't raining. Lisa, in this job, you carry one suitcase. Your home is the available transportation. You don't sleep very much. You bathe less. And sometimes the food that you eat is made from things that you couldn't even look at when they're alive. Jeff, you don't have to be deliberately repulsive. Just to impress me, I'm wrong. Deliberately repulsive? I'm just trying to make it sound good. You just have to face it, Lisa. You're not meant for that kind of a life. Few people are. 
You're too stubborn to argue with. I'm not stubborn. I'm just truthful. I know. A lesser man would have told me it was one long holiday and I would have been awakened to a rude disillusionment. Oh, well, now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. If you want to get vicious on this, I'd be very happy to accommodate you. No, I, I don't particularly want that. So that's it. You won't stay here and I can't go with you. It would be the wrong thing. You don't think either one of us could ever change? Right now, it doesn't seem so. I'm in love with you. I don't care what you do for a living. I'd just like to be part of it somehow. It's deflating to find out the only way I can be part of it is to take out a subscription to your magazine. I guess I'm not the girl I thought I was. No, there's nothing wrong with you, Lisa. You've got this town on the palm of your hand. Not quite, it seems. Goodbye, Jeff. Well, you mean good night? I mean what I said. Well, well, Lisa, couldn't we just, uh, couldn't we just keep things status quo? Without any future. Well, when am I going to see you again? Not for a long time. At least, not until tomorrow night. What I find so fascinating about their relationship is um, just, you know, the, the sort of like push and pull they have with each other. And it's so much that like she's so in love with him and yeah. she so just wants to, you know, she, she wants him. She wants him and is um, wants to be there for him. And he is in a lot of ways very stubborn as many men yeah. are when it comes yep. to women who love them or uh, men who love them. And um and he's oh god i'm like realizing so many things about myself right now like (laughs) in relationships like oh my god like i'm so independent but i'm like do i change myself for the man that i'm interested in like yeah what you know and it's weird because i feel like you know so many times especially women and i'm making an assumption here and i'm just gonna go for it but we you know how many times like have i seen one of my girlfriends like not be into this one thing and then because they're dating a guy they're like fully into it now right and I think there's like a balance there right there's a balance of like making compromises for relationships versus completely changing who you are which is like you said kind of like and of course like well I'm sure we'll get to talk about the ending right because I I love I think about that that ending all the time but um yeah I don't know it's just like it's funny because you know who you end up wanting to spend your life with or who you end up do spending your life with I guess really does determine which of those little apartments you end up in right like oh this is this is good I'm like really (laughs) like reflecting here yeah Um, but anyway sorry go ahead no no please I let's get personal here like Am I, do I do things just to like, I don't know, not to get a man to love me, but like to prove to him, like I, I'm cool or I can do this thing or, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then like, it's never like, I'm not, I don't, I don't know. I'm like having a moment right now, but anyways, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's that's so interesting to think about. Yeah, yeah. And it's also, I think, fascinating for me um, thinking about Jeff and, you know, how much he has to change for her. Um, I think the, the, the main thing that he has to, that the, like the main thing that he has to sort of the work on or think about is like how much of a box he puts her in and, uh, you know, how much, I mean, he puts everyone in a box. I mean, they're literally in boxes, they're windows, yeah. right? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, even the, the names he gives these people and sort of the, his ideas about them are so, as we were saying earlier, so two-dimensional, you know? Mm-hmm. They're characters, they're not people. Um, and a lot of that is, a lot of his arc in the movie is seeing these people as people, you know? And uh, I think with Lisa, it's exactly the same because he sees her as this, like, society girl who can't, you know who can't like rough and tumble and can't do this or can't do that. And, you know, doesn't, he doesn't deserve her. She's too good for him, whatever. And I think, um, you know, I think one beautiful thing about this movie is how much of, um, that's just a, that's just a context he has. That's a story that he's written about her. He doesn't actually know her or know what she's capable of. And, um, you know, and, you know, she has this line where she says, you know, if there's one thing I know, it's how to dress for the occasion oh, and or, yeah. or how to be prepared Her for any situation. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> next level. Like, yeah. Lord, her costumes are incredible. And she's I mean, she's gorgeous. So she's you know, gorgeous. She could- yeah. So about um, almost 11 years ago, I took a class on Hitchcock and it was a it was like a summer abroad in London. And um <gasps> And ha- at the time, there happened to be an exhibit on Grace Kelly's on Grace Kelly at the Victorian Albert Museum, and a lot it had her costumes from this movie, <sighs> and um, a lot of her outfits from when she was princess. And um, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm sure many people know Grace Kelly's fashion icon. She's you yeah. know, absolutely famous for just being so glamorous effortlessly, and. Um, but yeah, her costumes in this movie are so wonderful. Um, especially her um, her dress, her first dress that she wears, the black one with the white skirt. Yeah. I love that. Um, I but, wish yeah. I wish people could see my face right now because I'm still <laughs> like my jaw is still on the ground from when you said like you got to take this class and go to London and <laughs> see her costume. Like I'm just like. Uh- what like my jaws on the ground people oh my god one of the best one of the best experiences of my life uh i was there for about six weeks only um and the class is similar to the class that you were mentioning where we would watch uh, it it only met three times a week but um we would watch a movie and then well we would talk about that movie the same day and then it would be like a five-hour class we just watched the movie and then talk about it and we did that and you know, I remember watching Rear Window um, and just being, it, it was my second time seeing it because I had watched it over the, like, to prepare for the class. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, she's just so gorgeous and her clothes are so fabulous. But what I love about this movie is how her clothes become more and more practical as the movie goes on. And she yeah. ends in this, yeah. like, very yeah. chic, you know, like, like skinny jeans and top look. <laughs> And, yeah. and again, it's sort of like she, um, you know, she can, she, she's not just this, you know, uh, porcelain doll. She's a living, breathing person and she can 
be practical. She could be glamorous. She could be all these things. Yeah. And he yeah, has to, exactly. he has to snap out of this story that he's written about her. Um, and think of her as someone who is, has, you know, she's three dimensional. She's multifaceted. Yeah. She can be it all for him. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a perfect way to say it. And I think costumes say so much about a character. Yeah. Um, and especially in this film, um, and, and on a lot of Hitchcock films, I would say. Um, but like, yeah, like you said, I think, they're trying to show us in every way, shape and form, right. That like she can be whatever you need her to be. Yeah. And, 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 it's just, and just yeah. freaking see that. See, yeah. <laughs> like you said, yeah. stop, stop only subscribing to this story he's written in his head about her yeah. and yeah. what she is and who she is and, and even who he is. Right. right. Like you have to, you have to adapt and change and, and, and compromise for the other person. And, and, you know, she's showing him that like, I can be all these things for you. I can, you know, fit whatever mold you need me to fit. But like you said, he's so caught up in himself yeah. and his brain. Right. Yeah. Men. Ugh. Men. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, I hate that I have to date them, you know. Right. Same. They're the worst. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of worst men, I do want to talk about the Thorwalds. Um, yeah. Because I find them to be a fascinating couple. And I yeah. find their relationship to Jeff and Lisa absolutely fascinating. And um, one thing that I remember specifically from this class, 11 years, never forgot about this, but my professor um, interpreted this movie and he's like, Jeff and Lisa are like, Jeff is both Mr. Thorwald and Mrs. Thorwald because he's Mr. Thorwald because he's afraid of having a nagging, shrewish wife that he has to take care of and will eventually murder. But he's also Mrs. Thorwald because he's he's invalid and he's afraid that, you know, Lisa will, like, turn against him or will murder him because he's just so demanding of her and has to be taken care of. Um, and Lisa, in her turn, is... Mrs. Th- it could be a Mrs. Thorwald because, you know, she's a woman. She could turn into a shrewy, shrewish, nagging, hysterical wife. But she could also be Mr. Thorwald and just get fed up with dealing with, it, with an invalid and resort to murder or whatever. And I've never forgotten that interpretation. It blew my mind when, when he said that. And every time I watch the movie, I think about it. And, um, yeah. and it's such a, like... It's such a, you know, Brian, it's such a beautiful, uh, beautiful interpretation. And, you know, Brian Rose, if you're listening to this, I think, <laughs> I think about him all the time. He's oh, an amazing professor. Oh, um, oh I'm sure. I yeah. hope he is listening. I'm sure he would love yeah. to, to know that. I love that. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I think that's like, uh, yeah, it's so like, I, when I wrote about Rear Window for my column, I, I mentioned that I sent it to him and, um, he was like, oh, yeah, I remember we talked about that in class. And I'm like, man, no, like, it profoundly changed right, the way I like, look at movies. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that funny how, like, you have teachers or coaches or professors or whatever yeah. along the way that say something and you're like, no, I've lived my life based on this. And they're yeah. like, I said that? Like, yeah. I, I had one of my coaches. This is, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent, sure. but I have to tell the story. So I had one of my coaches um, <laughs> in high school say, if you're earlier on time, if you're on time, you're late. Yeah. And that like blew my mind. And right. then I like lived my whole life that way. And yeah. I, I saw him recently and I was like, Coach Tribe, you remember when you said, and he was like, 
I don't know if I've ever said that in my life. I'm like, <laughs> no, you 100% said that to me. I've lived my yeah. life that way. Yeah, so it's yeah. so funny, like how influential people can be on, on you or, you know, and vice versa. I'm sure you and I have both said things that people will yeah, yeah. remember. And we're like, I said that, you know, so it's, <laughs> that's just so funny. That's it's so, so funny. funny. Yeah. And, uh, but it, it really did like change the way I looked at characters uh, because, you know, I think, I think before that I was, you know, everything was so one-to-one, like the man is a man, the, wo- the woman's a woman. And these are, it's such a clear thing of interpretation, but he's like, no, like, just like rethinking it was like less about rear window specifically more but just sort of like rethinking about how you look at characters and how you interpret themes and and also just like the um the way just to like interpret a movie like rear window or any of these sort of like classic movies that had been written about and talked about forever that like there's always like there's always a new way to look at things there's always a new kind of angle to look at the film and um there's always a kind of a you know, a like a, a revelation to be had about how these characters relate to each other, how the themes play against each other. So, yeah, profoundly changed my life. He did not remember it. Very funny. <laughs> Your story is also very funny. Um, and I it's just so that. it's so it's so crazy, right? How uh, because like I mean that class. I mean that class. Like you know that because of that class is why I love Hitchcock and right. you know all this stuff and. Right. Um, but yeah, it's totally very funny. Uh, I felt so silly being like, You're you not- said this one thing 12 years ago. <laughs> right. uh, and I but- remembered it forever and I will remember it forever. Yeah. That's funny though, like even like some of my production classes and a couple of my girlfriends that I'm still close with yeah. um, that also s- still work in production will always be like, oh, Dr. Burns would, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So it's like, like you said, but when you have like a really good professor or something like really resonates with you, like yeah. you won't forget it, you know? And like yeah. you said, like it, he, they made, he made you think about so many different things you know yeah. I mean even in something as simple as right like like just the the juxtaposition that Hitchcock creates with you know making Grace Kelly like vying for this man who's like right. really not even that great like he's yeah. fine right versus you know Jeff like you have this perfect woman right and usually most of the time love stories are the other way around right right like the man- right the man chasing the woman and, and Hitchcock switches it up, whether you realize it or not, um, that it's really the woman chasing the man here. And like it, even that like little bit of a difference, right? Yeah. Like that probably was, I mean, I've watched a lot of old films, but not enough to say like, that wasn't a thing back then, but like you kind you kind of got to think it wasn't right. Like, I mean, yeah, exactly. And, um, that, that's a beautiful thing you brought up because I've wanted to touch upon that is like, you know, having talked about romance movies on this podcast for two years, uh, it's so it's still rare to see a woman in the pursuing role, and if she is, it's usually a like stalker ex girlfriend or <laughs> some right. kind of like harpy type character. Not, but it's not right. the main girl or the main lead act, the lead actress. And um, one thing I, I come across a lot is how uncomfortable it makes us to see a woman go after a man like this and yep. how much it triggers this idea of like, you know, I've read so, I mean, okay. one of my worst habits is going on Letterboxd to look at ah! one star reviews of my favorite movies just to eye roll at annoying people. Oh my gosh! I, I hate I hate that I do this, but I do it all the time. Yeah, and uh, I mean I don't. It's I hate it because it's such a waste of my time, but it's so right. funny. Um, and it's like one a weird com- addiction. I yeah, you. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, one one common theme of this movie is like, 
you know, oh, this movie's so sexist because, like, why would a perfect woman go after a man like that? And it's like, it's, it's a lot of the, that's sort of a common common theme yeah. among these, like, negative reviews. And sure. I think it really makes us uncomfortable to think about, like, you know, I, I think that's also the reason why we don't see a lot of movies where, like, um, an unconventionally attractive woman or whatever would go for, like, you know, a superhero type or, like, we don't, right. like, we never see the, the reverse of the, like, ugly guy, hot wife trope. And I think it's because right. it makes it uncomfortable to think of, yep. uh, think of women as unattractive or undesirable. Like, mm-hmm. that's such a sexist mm-hmm. trope. And, yep. um, and I think Rear Window, I mean, I, um, I'm sure there are examples of this dynamic in other romance movies from the era or other movies, but, I think this movie is more intentional and more like meta about that. And it's really Mm -hmm. having us confront this idea of what it means for a woman to be in such pursuit of a man. I mean, look, James Stewart is James Stewart. He's a catch. Uh, But totally, I mean, Jeff himself is, yeah, kind of a, kind of a, 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 slog you know he's kind of boring but but like like, you know this whole this whole thing in your whole podcast is based on love right and i think you know we can look at this and this is i love unconventional films like that like my best friend's wedding where it's you know julia roberts chasing this man who doesn't love her and it's like how do you not love julia roberts or like the breakup with jennifer aniston and vince vaughn like they don't end up together and it's literally telling you that in the title and people were so upset about it right yeah so, like you said, I think people really, and it's this whole, you know, again, we could go on this, like, tangent of, like, how film is escapism, and people right. don't want to see these unconventional things. But I think those are the best stories, right? Me too, and then, yeah. you know, and you think about even, like, yourself, right? Like, I've, I've gone after men who were not right for me, didn't treat me well, and and then I look back, and I'm like, what was I thinking? I didn't want to yeah. <laughs> actually be with that person, yeah. right? Or you think about like yourself, like I'm really guilty of this, of like, you know, telling my girlfriends or whatever, like he isn't right for you. Like move on, you know, you're too good for this, but then I can't see that in myself. Right. Like it's that thing where it's like, if I could just take my own advice, I wouldn't have any issues. You know (laughs) know what I mean? It's that thing where it's like, I can totally relate to like, if you could just make this thing work with this one guy, because, you know, not even like the satisfaction of like, oh, I I win or I prove that I can, you know, get him or, you know, change him or whatever, like it is, right, that a lot of women find themselves in these scenarios. It's just like, is it because she really does truly love him? You know, I mean, like, what if that's really what it is, is that she really wants to be with him because she truly loves him? Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's interesting to think about. And like you said, it it is unconventional to watch us you know, watch someone like Grace Kelly, who's this perfect human being, right? Like, who wouldn't want to be with her, right? right? But it's like, I don't know, I'm pretty great. And like, it seems like every man I've ever dated doesn't want to be with <laughs> I me. Know. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, Jesus, there's a Taylor Swift song for everything, right? Like, right. like, that's exactly what like, not to like bring Taylor Swift into this, but like if you've ever listened to her song, The Archer, um, she's saying that she's like, I've been the, I've been both sides. And, and then one of the lines even says like, um, 
who could ever leave me, darling, but who could stay, right? Like you Mm. think like, oh, this person's perfect. How do they not end up, you know, or like, I mean, that's the thing too. It's like, it's like, you know, people with me, it's like, I know they think they're giving me a compliment by saying like, how are you single or whatever? And it's like, that's not, that's not actually like a compliment. That's the worst thing to say. (laughs) It's the worst. I think people are way better at it now, but it's, you know, it's something I still even get. And it's just like, I know you're coming from a good place when you say that, but like also my, my worth and my value is not based on if I'm in a relationship or not. And Mm. I know you, and like, again, I know people are coming from a good place and they say things like that, but it's like, you're not defined by the, like if you're with someone or not, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's that thing that, like you said, like so many people uh, obviously are missing the mark when they're set, like saying, this is a terrible film because who wouldn't want to be with Grace Kelly? And it's like, you're 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 missing the point (laughs) yeah (laughs) like or it's like you're you're thinking of something as a bug when it's a feature right like that's again like that's the entire theme of the film and that's what every character is saying to him that like what like you know what is like you know like what what's the what's the delay here what's you know why can't like who wouldn't jump to get married to her uh but yeah, I mean, I think um, that that brings me to the ending of the film, which I think is like one of uh, I think one of Hitchcock's best endings, uh, one of his funniest and cutest, and but also one of the, uh, an ending that I think it could, people could write whole books on because I think it's what it's saying and you know what it's about. It's it's so ambiguous in a way that's so um alluring so what what's your what like what's your take on on this on this ending where she goes from the nature book to uh the uh the fashion magazine and he broke his legs again yeah (laughs) right yeah um yeah it's so funny because i think this is probably one of those films that like every time i watch it i think something different by the end yeah right like i'm like Oh, you know, she's, she's, okay, so, like, let's break it down. Like, if we're thinking of, you know, her, like, realizing, like, okay, he's asleep, I can go back to reading the magazine I want to read, right? Yeah. It's that thing of, like, we were talking about earlier, right? Is like, she's, is she changing herself to please him to make sure that she's what he wants yeah um and so is it like this reveal of her like i haven't really changed like this is still who i am right um i don't know i think i think something different every time um but i think that's probably what i've thought the most is her kind of saying like and i think hitchcock is trying to say like you can compromise and you can be this or that or x or y or z for people but you're really always still yourself right yeah i think i think that's what he's trying to say there by her doing that like little you know okay i've pleased you know i've pleased him or made him think that I'm this person and, and I can be this person, but also like I'm this person, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. what do you, what yeah. about you? I don't know. I have a very similar experience as well, where I think yeah. I see different things each time. Um, I, a part of me is like, okay, you know, she had her adventure and he is now doubly incapacitated, you yeah. know, uh, he's, <laughs> it's like, 
He still can't fuck Grace Kelly at the end of this film. It's great. It's yeah. great. You exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, castrated, if you will. Right. Um, which I don't want to say. I hate saying that. <laughs> it's true. Right. But it's, it's true. like in some ways, like, I think like he's like, in, he's like an, like, okay, I read this really, uh, really fascinating take where he's like an animal who is happy in captivity you know, because he has that kind of like dopey grin on his face, uh, and uh, he's stuck in the apartment still. He can't go to his, uh, you know, war photography or whatever. And yeah. um, you know, she's so satisfied because she's able to like trap her man or something. <laughs> and um, I, I you love know. that take, actually. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was, I thought it was sort of funny, and I think that's it's there in the film. You know, his yeah. sort of like goofy grin and her like. You know, she looks at, she's reading the, uh, the travel book and she kind of looks at him and she puts it away and opens Harper's Bazaar. Like, there's a level of sort of like smugness or self satisfaction yeah. there. Um, that yeah. she like passed the test, right? And was able right. to get him. Right. And then now she can, yes. you know, shape him and shape their marriage or their relationship as she wants. Right. But right. I, and I think that's true. But I also like what you're saying about like, she, you know, she's a person of dualities, you know, and, um, yeah. Yep, yep. You know, she can be both the, you know, travel, you know, travel wife, the photographer's wife, but she can also still be the, you know, fashion, fashion diva or whatever. And I think, you know, I, I feel like our society is um, always trying to pit those two, like, ways of being against each other. Like, either you're a tomboy or you're a girly girl. Right. And I think this, I think this ending is showing that she's both. Like, yeah. why can't she be both? And why yeah. can't he be happy in captivity, but also happy, you know, fighting or, or like, you know, photog- uh, photographing like, uh, you know, war or whatever he's doing yeah. or, or yeah. like going out in the jungle or whatever. Like, th- there's both to it. And um, or that, you know, maybe like he doesn't even need to have that adventurous lifestyle anymore. He can just be happy as a married man, open a right, studio. Right, because now like, he's married an adventurous woman. So yeah, yeah. To find that somewhere else, right? Yeah, yeah, there's so many ways to interpret that ending, I think. Um, yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. But, you know, I think it's also saying like he can still get that that fix of looking out at the world because he's doing that through his camera. Right. Right. Um, and that's how he spied on his neighbors. And, and it's this whole thing of, right. Like this is in one of the books that I've, I've read on Hitchcock was that like, we're all peeping Toms, right? Like you would never admit to being a peeping Tom, but if we see something, you're not going to look away. Right. 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 (laughs) You're gonna, Oh, what's going on over there? You don't want to be caught. Right. Like, and we're all guilty of that. Or like, you know, when you, I mean, we're all this voyeur, right? Mm-hmm. Like think about just like the internet, right? Like society. I, I even, and I don't know if this is something that you, that you saw, but on Twitter, I saw um, these people fighting in a bath and bath and body works. Did you see this? Uh, I didn't see the fist video, but I, I, I read about it. Yeah. Okay. Fist fighting. And those kind of videos like make me cringe, make me sick. Yeah. But, I, for some reason I watched it and I was like, why are you watching this? Like I couldn't look away though. Like I watched the full minute and 15 seconds or whatever it was of these people fist fighting each other in a bath and body works. Yeah. And I was just like, what am I doing watching this? But it's that, and that's what Hitchcock is saying. Right. And this is why I think his films like stand the test of time, because we can all relate to that feeling of, Ooh, I want to see that. Like, yeah. Yeah. I want that little bit of, 
I don't want to be the, like, we as the audience, right? Like, we don't want to be Jeff. We don't want to be confined to, you know, a space and, you know, not be able to walk and not be able to, you know, do whatever, right? But we want that satisfaction of, okay, I'll look through his lens, right? Like, yeah. I'll I'll look through and see what he sees because why not? You know, like, it's that, like, nosiness peeping Tom thing where, like, yeah. we don't ever want to admit it, but we all have that in us. Right, right, absolutely. Um, and I, I think, you know, one of the most powerful moments in the film is when uh, he's looking at Lars Thorwald through the lens and mm-hmm. Lars looks right into the camera at him back. And um, every time I see that scene, it like jolts me because it's yep. like so uncomfortable. I mean, it's yep. so uncomfortable to have him look directly at the camera. And I mean, that's obviously a very popular filmmaking technique that a lot of filmmakers use, like Jonathan Demme and, and other people. But in yeah. this specific context, it's especially jarring and unnerving yeah. because, like, we're because you know, like you said, this movie's about voyeurism, and yeah. it's like, oh yeah, we're on the hook for peeping into someone else's window and looking at their lives, and not only right. looking at it but like judging it. You know, right. your comparison to Instagram and, is so yeah. apt for this reason, and it'd be terrible right. to if someone were to like call us out if like the subjects of these Instagram posts or these videos that we're all watching were to yeah. like call us out for looking into their lives, it would be so well, unsettling. Well, right. Well, that's the thing, right. Of you, like you're, you've scrolled back on somebody that you're stalking and you yeah. accidentally like a photo oh from, my a, God. <laughs> from a hundred weeks ago, right. Yeah. It's the same thing, right. So, and yeah. one of my favorite all time favorite Hitchcock quotes, and I have this in my little, like about me on my letterbox is yeah. there, there is no, int- there is no, um, um, anticipation in the, in, uh, wait, hold on, hold on. I want to, I want to read it correctly. Yeah, now. Yeah. now I don't want, now I'm like, Oh wait, don't screw this up. Um, Oh, there's no terror in the bang only in the anticipation of it. And what he's saying is that like having the gun and shooting someone is not scary. It's the having the gun and is it going to shoot? Right. right? So yeah. that's that's what he's doing here with this is building that suspense the whole time, whether you realize it or not, of there is a chance he could get caught at any moment. Right. right? Yeah. So like you said, that moment when he does get caught, it's so jarring. It's not because it's like a jump scare or anything, but oh my God, we've been found out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And exactly. And that's what I love about the way Hitchcock builds suspense. He doesn't, he doesn't, and this is a thing I just wrote about in um, Strangers on a Train, is that his style of suspense is here. I'm going to give you all the information and or all the things, right? And now I'm going to make you sweat through it. Now yeah. you have to endure this, right? right, right. So, and that that violation of we've been watching them this whole time, but suddenly when they're watching us, like when he, when Thorwald looks at us, it's like, you know, in reality, like we've been watching him this whole time, you know, what if he looked over and saw us watching him? And that's that moment, right? That's why it's so like, like you said, jarring. Cause when you really look at it, is it, it's not a jump scare. It's not, it's all this suspense that Hitchcock has masterfully built up to. Yeah. Yeah good that's why it's so good yeah and the movie is exactly it's like building up to that moment um because there's this yeah like 
I, I think any time, like, I feel if you've ever, I'm sure, I'm sure you've done this, I've done this, everyone's done this, but like, if you just find yourself staring at someone, like, in public, and it's like, not even that you're looking at them directly, but you're just like, lost in your thoughts, and you just happen yeah. to be looking at someone, and they look at you, and yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know it's kind of come, because like, people can just feel eyes on them, and I think that yeah. like, this movie is like, it's building up to that slowly, and slowly, and slowly, and t- until the moment, like, uh Thorwald looks back and um and yeah it's so it's so unsettling and it's like I think one of the best I think like one of like the defining moments in cinema history not to get too hyperbolical but like it's true hyperbolic but um and I I think that like you know this movie um has a lot of moments where uh you know the subject of the voyeurism in like interacts with you know, with the audience, um, like, um, or, like, in some ways where, like, they, like, Jeff and Lisa and Stella, um, like, interact with their subjects, like, when they go into the apartment or when they call the cops on um, Miss Lonely Hearts because she's taken pills or, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. And it's, like, this interplay between the watchers and the watchees. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but there's so much, like, uh, but the, so there's so much anticipation to mm-hmm. that that Laura Thorwald moment where you're just like taken aback by like how guilty like we feel as the audience, yes, you know? and yes, how much. Yes. I mean, like one thing that Hitchcock does so well is making his audience complicit. You know, I think he does yep. this really well in Psycho as well. Yeah. Um, you know, especially when the movie switches from Marion Crane to Norman Bates, and you know he's like cleaning. Norman Bates is cleaning up the murder, and you're suddenly yeah. like invested in that, even yeah. though he's the killer. Yes. Yes, it's funny that you're yeah. bringing up guilt because that's actually the other part of my thesis that I wrote yeah. about. I wrote about how he, you know, controls you and guilts you um, yeah, and how he yeah. uses that control to guilt you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Yeah. Um, so uh, before we finish up, I wanted to ask if you have any other like um, Hitchcockian like like romance or like which films of his really stick out in terms of their relationship Stories, oh my gosh! Thought about it. I, yeah, I think I have to go with Vertigo here. Yeah. Um, and I just I love Vertigo. I think my favorite Hitchcock. Well, definitely not. I think, but definitely my favorite Hitchcock film is Rope. But I think my second favorite is Vertigo. Um, yeah. I think it's really interesting, at, like looking at like love and obsession, yeah. right? Because like, the, like the character that, I mean, they're, these characters are obsessed with each other. They're in love, but like they're obsessed with each other. And, and that, that, you know, theme of duality again, like wanting someone to be exactly the way you want them. And, yeah. um, yeah. I, and I love vertigo because gosh, I've seen vertigo so many times now, but every time I watch it, it feels fresh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Every time I watch it, it feels new and fresh and like Hitchcock has done something different. Um, yeah, I just now I'm like, should I watch Vertigo tonight? Uh, yes, um, you should. <laughs> it, it's so good. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, and like I said, watching Hitchcock's film, like I watched Notorious last night because I wasn't sure if we were going to talk about it or not. And I, I know I've seen it, but I haven't seen it in so long. Yeah. And you know, that one was interesting too, because like you said, this really like hit me earlier when you said like how it becomes two different films. And I feel like Notorious is two different films. Like the beginning is such one thing. And then 
it just like kind of morphs into something else. Um, yeah. 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 So I don't know. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I think like, um, yeah, I, I mentioned notorious when we were planning the episode, uh, because I yeah. think that's like another, like fabulously fascinating love story with Hitchcock. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. so, it's like, uh, I can't even call it like feminist or misogynist or whatever, just because it's mm-hmm. so like the toxicity is so much the point of it. And like yeah. this push and pull that they have. And, yeah. you know, I encourage listeners and you to look back at my Phantom Thread episode where I talked about, um, talked about this idea of these, you know, this uh, relationship where mm. they are in love with each other, but repulsed by each other. And I think yes. Notorious oh, is perfect. A, yeah. And that's, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to go back and listen to that. That's such a, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and so, yeah, I think, and like, that. yeah, and I think like Paul Thomas Anderson called, you know, said that this Phantom Thread was Hitchcockian, and I think yeah. it's because he captures this element of uh, like Notorious and Rebecca and um, Suspicion and Marnie, where there's just like this idea of these like two like broken, hurt people just falling in love and just like, you know, being so. Re- like horrible to each other but being so loving and there's like a lot of like sexual and romantic tension with that and um like it's like oh it's like it's a little nasty but also like very romantic in that like they just can't be apart from each other and i think that like like notorious um is i think like um, I think Notorious is such a beautiful example of Hitchcock love story of a, of a Hitchcock romance because the suspense not only comes from the espionage part of it, the like Nazi part of it. It just comes from you know these two characters who just cannot be honest with each other, right? Like right. you know the um, you know since you watched Notorious, like I do want to talk about it uh, a little more in detail uh, because. Um, what I love about that is uh, Devlin, you know, he wants Alicia to say no to the mission and she wants him to tell her not to do it. And right. because neither of them can communicate this, they right. they go through with it and then they like hate each other for it, but they're still so right. attracted to each other. And it's just like right. the suspense there is just this, yeah, this couple that just can't like communicate and they almost destroy each other for their lack of communication and their hatred and love for each other. And I find that to be right. like just so fascinating. It's, I mean, just like Rear Window, yeah. it's so meaty to pick through all this stuff because right. it's not a clear cut romance of like he's, he's a jerk and she's perfect or right. she's right. a shrew and he's a great guy. Like there's just so much right. like duality there, as we've been saying. Well, and I think you said it perfectly, right? And I think this is really how, like, real, not to say, like, these things happen in real life, but the, like, the concepts of what you're saying, right? It's like, I, I want you to tell me to do this thing or to not do this thing. And it's because I want you to want to, you know, right? And that goes back to, like, I know I mentioned the breakup earlier. And that's, like, part of what happens in the breakup, right? She's like, I don't want to have to ask you to clean the dishes or what, you know, do the dishes right. or whatever. And he's like, no one wants to do the dishes. Cause she's like, I want you to want to do the dishes to right. help me, right. you know? Yeah, yeah, and he's exactly. like, nobody wants to do the dishes. And yeah, she, yeah. It's that thing where it's like, again, everything comes down to communication. And it's like, you know, if you could just be this one thing for this person, what would that look like then? Right. Like yeah, you said, yeah. like, like, he doesn't want her to go through with this. She wants him to tell her, Hey, I don't want you to do this. And they can't, it's like, it's like two 
ends of the same thing, right? Like going yeah. at each other and right. if they could just communicate, you know, and it's, it, yeah, it's always that thing. It's like, I want you to want to do X, Y, Z. And instead of just being like, Hey, can you do this thing for me? Yeah, It's that, yeah. It's that you know, this is why relation. And it, it's so funny too, how, how that, that aspect of, a romantic relationship, right? Because anyone else in my life, if I wanted them to do something or if I needed them to do something for me, it's different. Like the way you approach it. Right. But it's like, yeah, why, is this yeah. person, why is it this, like this person that you're intimate with, you have this issue of it's because of desire, right. And love. It's like, I want you to know this thing about me, but I haven't even told you. So but I want you to realize it about me. Right. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. So con- and this is why like romantic relationships are so complicated because like, there's so much weight. We put so much weight to everything, you know? And it's so terrifying to be so vulnerable and so yeah. open with someone. Yeah. And yeah, you know, there's so many, I've so many relationships that I've been in, not even relationships, but just like people that I've dated right. where sure. I wanted to be like, Hey, I like you a lot and I want to be with you, but you can't say that. Like that's so right. like awkward to say, and you never know because what they're going to say back. Is and, it more for you because of rejection? Like you're f- afraid of rejection or, or like, what is the actual fear for you? Fear, there? Yeah. Rejection. Um, yeah. I think there's a little bit of pride too, where it's like, sure. I want them to be the first one to say yes, that, not yes, me, yes. you know, like yes, you never want to be the first exactly. person to say, I love you. <laughs> right. Right. And, um, and I think like, you know, I think that that tension, that conflict, that suspense is what yeah. makes, um, these Hitchcock romances so potent is because he not only you know, goes into these relationship complications, but places them with like life or death situations or, you know, the like high drama of Marnie or the like intrigue of the 39 steps in North by Northwest. Like, Mm. um, you know, I think, you know, I I mentioned suspicion earlier. That's another great kind of marriage movie. Um, And uh, I mean, rope of course, I think is all about, you know, the uh, is very much, I think a, a, a great queer movie in terms of yeah. how it's about the um the sort of like you know very like Freudian struggle for dominance uh yeah. with 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 men in romantic and sexual situations and yeah. um oh my god you could you do a whole to... thing about rope and relationships say, I mean, that's a that's an interesting love story and, yeah please have me back and let's talk about rope because yeah. I could talk about rope <laughs> For hours and hours. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, this has been totally beautiful and wonderful. I'm so, so excited uh, to have you on the show. I'd love to have you back anytime. Um, I'm really excited for listeners to hear this. Do you have any like final thoughts on Hitchcock, Rubindo, or anything that we've touched upon? Yeah, I think, you know, um, this is just like kind of a soapbox moment for me. I think a lot of people... Um, our age, younger, you know, and, and, and even people older than us, they really like kind of don't take the time to go back and watch old films. Yeah. And I just always like to say, like, go back and watch some old Hollywood films, old Hitchcock films, right? Because you will realize like how influential it was on, on films, you know, and still is today. Um, so yeah, I mean, just give some old films a chance. They're really good. Um, but no shame to people that don't watch old films either. But um, yeah, you can be either. So I think, you know, give it a chance. I think you'll realize, like, I think, you know, being someone who's loved movies for so long, 
Yeah. It, what really wasn't until I started taking film classes that I I had to watch old films. I never thought I was someone who would be into them, right? Yeah. Um. So I think just give them a chance. Um. You might discover, you know, something you you didn't even know you were looking for. Yeah. And that's a wonderful, wonderful place to end. Um, Erica, where can people find you online? And tell us about what you've been working on. Yeah, so people can find me um, at E-Rock Reviews on Twitter. That's where like all my stuff is. I have a link tree um, in my bio where you can see every podcast, every place I've written, everything's on there. Um, but I write at um, In Their Own League, um, which is at Their League on Twitter. I also write at In Session and CRPWrites.com. So um, you can follow me all, at all those places and see all the writing I'm doing. Um, I'm really excited because I'm not sure when this podcast is going to come out. But, n- oh, my gosh, next week I will be covering South by Southwest uh, Film Festival for In Session. So Very exciting. Congratulations. I, thank you. I'm so excited. I'm forever grateful to In Session for giving me the opportunity. This is like my first film festival that I'll be covering. So I'll have hopefully a ton of content out um, at like the end of next week about all the films I got to see at South by Southwest. So I'm super, super, super excited about that. Um, like I said, I'm doing that um, – Hitchcock series. So, um, I'm calling it scratching my hitch. Um, I love that. That's so cute. (laughs) Thanks. And, um, and like I said, exploring Hitchcock films I've never seen. Um, one day I'll be like you and see all of them. Um, (laughs) and, um, I'm also doing, uh, kind of challenging myself and doing, um, 52 films by women this year. So trying to write, watch and write one, um, film every week about, or directed by a woman. So, um, you know, like you said, it's international, uh, women, Women's Day, but I live every day like it's Women's Day. So, um, you know, just trying to, again, explore. And those are all, those 52 films by women are all films I've never seen before as well. So that's that's fun and exciting and, and expanding my um, my library of, of films directed by women. So That is all very, very exciting. I will definitely uh, link to your Hitchcock articles uh, yeah. as they come out. And uh, very, yeah, very, really excited for all of that. Thank you so much for yeah. being here. Yeah, this uh, was so fun. You're so sweet. Thank you for all the yeah. kind words. That's so nice. Um, yeah, of course. And I will for sure look forward to coming back. Like I said, we should talk about Rope. But, yeah. um, anytime you want to talk about Hitchcock. And honestly, anytime you want to talk about love films, I know this is, that's what you do here. So yeah. um, there's tons of other films we can talk about, too. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I, I look definitely, forward to Yeah, definitely love to have you back. It was an absolute pleasure to have you um, on here. You can find me on Twitter at TheVanish89. Uh, also, please follow the podcast at the Uh Remember to rate, review, subscribe to the show to help people find the show. And um, yeah, Erica, this is, I mean, this could not have gone any better than I could have imagined. So I'm so, so appreciative that you're here and I'm so excited for people to listen to this and hopefully look at Rear Window and Hitchcock in general in a new lens. Um, and yeah, to listeners, thanks for listening. Bye. And I love you. And I'll see you in the same old dream too.